Welcome back to the Cinema Condition. This is your host and filmmaker, Raul Alejandro Mendoza. Or as I allow, I, well, I don't allow you guys. I, I, I prefer that you guys refer to me as the nerdy Chicano. It's fine, though. If I, I allow you all to say <laughs> that's so stupid, but it's all right. Today, we're here for another episode. Last week, you all heard a wonderful conversation with my wonderful friend Alejandra Escutiangulo as we discussed 2009's Inglorious Bastards from Quentin Tarantino. And today, I have my wonderful friend AK here to talk about 2015's Tangerine. Hey. AK, how are you doing, bud? I'm good. I'm good. I I just survived uh, a home emergency in which I had to re-put together my bathroom. It, it just exploded on me. There was mm -hmm. water everywhere. I spent three hours. I was up till three o'clock in the morning. And then I was mm -hmm. like, I slept for like four and then went to class. So I'm hyped. I'm like on no yeah. sleep. So yeah, I'm good yeah. to go. This, been, is, this has been a... Long time in the making, my friend. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. I've been excited to be on your podcast. I've listened to so, a lot of your episodes. I yeah. love the way you do this. I love that you dig so deep into a lot of topics. And yeah. I know that you ask people to come and prepare. And I hope, I hope yeah. I'm ready. I hope you're in the hot seat today. AK. I know, I know. You're I'm gonna in get the it. hot seat. I'm gonna and get it. Yeah, Gio's over here, and hopefully one day he gets to come on too. The fact checker. The fact checker. <laughs> King fact checker. Yeah, the film clubs, the film clubs calendar as well. Yeah, yeah. AK is the president of the film club, El Presidente. Yes. One of the officers, One I guess. One of the officers, yes. Yeah. yeah. Presidente AK, he is the you know part of the film club here. Yeah. Oh, wait, are you actually not the president? Who's the president? We don't have a president yeah. anymore. Technically, oh, okay. according to the university, according to Gio, actually, who just submitted my papers recently, I am the yeah. primary officer of the club. Yeah. Uh, but really, we we like to operate as like a collective body okay. that kind of decides okay. things. Call it a council member. Maybe yeah. it would be one of the, one of the higher minds of the. Uh, I, I guess if you would call it the uh, the elite hive mind. I, I guess he's just part of the collective group that makes the film club at the U at the University of Houston. And there we go, yeah. giving up my information again, where I'm living and stuff. <laughs> but it's all right. You yeah. know, Abbas, uh, 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 why do I keep thinking about Abbas down there, man? I, I know, keep, I Abbas is your best friend. He's, he's such a good guy. He's not a best friend. He's my, he's my dad. Oh, yeah, that's so yeah. cute. He I left me that. in Pakistan for a bit, and then he decided when he was here that he could bring me back to, to the United States, Abbas. That is <laughs> that's our story. Apparently, I was also made by artificial insemination, but I have no idea what's going on here. But yeah. I love everything about this story. Yeah, apparently I'm also Pakistani, but I'm not Pakistani. I mean, hey, as you can tell. Honorary member of the MENA in Pakistan and India. That's Thank what you. we consider you, Raul. We Thanks. love you. Thanks. But yeah, AK's part of the film club. Yeah. And uh, he's also a friend of mine that I made last year as we mm -hmm. as I tried to meddle into the film club. But it's hard being a very, very, very busy person, especially just doing this shit all the time. Yeah. It's, it's, very, it's very difficult. But I decided to finally... Bring the man in and have him on the hot seat because yeah. it's about time. As always, my friends, I'm really glad you guys are able to join us. And I hope you guys have been enjoying the last conversations. And today we're going we're gonna to get into it. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to talk about Tangerine. Yeah. But we got to go ahead and introduce the director himself, oh. Sean Baker. We gotta talk about Mr. Sean Baker. What you know, a generic white man's name. I know two two first. Oh no, it's not two first names. Baker is the last name, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was born in February 26, 1971, in Summit, New Jersey. 
So he's relatively young. Yeah. Also, he's, very much near the safties. Oh, yeah. Very near that safties. Uh, what's it called? Age. Uh, he went to school. He received his BA in film studies from New York University through the Titch School of the Arts, of course. Everybody goes to NYU. Um, and his first feature film was Four Letter Words, but he is mostly known for his three big films he's made. Starlet, Tangerine, and The Florida Project. And he is also, you know, uh, what's it called? Co-wrote, co-produced, co-wrote, co- I mean, co-wrote, co-directed, co-edited, and co-produced with uh, Xi Ching So. He made Take Out with her, with uh, with Xing Xing So. Um, and the film revolves around an illegal Chinese immigrant face, uh, f- f- uh, falling behind on payments on a smuggling debt. Yeah. Uh, acclaimed filmmaker, but a lot of his fame comes from this film, Tangerine. Yeah, I think, I think, I think I'm pretty sure... Everyone who who came into Tangerine had not, or most of the people that went to the theaters to watch Tangerine for the first time, and it was released in limited in limited theaters and stuff like that. That was their first introduction to Sean Baker, I think. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot of people I've heard coming out of the New York scene, like I've heard of Sean, I heard of the Duplass brothers, I've mm-hmm. heard of the Safdie brothers, I've had heard of this DIY movement. That was going yeah. on in it. The old school guerrilla filmmaking style yeah. where they would just grab the cameras, go out into the street and just film. And yeah, pretty much. It's it's that it's just the it's 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 this it's it's my it's what I like. It's mm-hmm. that style of filmmaking that I, I respect a lot because it was just people who really wanted to make a movie and they yeah. said, Fuck the studio, I'm gonna yeah. make my movie. I mean, yeah, I mean I mean the Duplass has practically created an enterprise out of this they they record everything digitally and internally and then they basically push it all out into like netflix hulu all of those places it's actually an incredible model i mean mm-hmm. and you look at the savdi's model of like going after the indie industry basically mm-hmm. and like immediately striking these deals with criterion to get like mm-hmm. bicycle thieves on there and stuff like that mm-hmm. and so it's like a lot of these guys are very intelligent and they come from an extremely passionate community mm-hmm. that's inside of that New Jersey, New York area. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Sean is like the quietest yeah. of that of that crew. But he he is that's something you mentioned uh about reading his prior to uh to Starlet, right? Starlet, yeah. Yeah, prior to Starlet, he made a film about a Chinese immigrant. Yeah. He's in Tangerine. He made a film about trans people. Yeah. And the Florida Project, he was talking about race relations. Yeah. I mean, Sean Baker is genuinely one of the best examples we have right yeah. now of a white director or a director who doesn't come from a particular like minority yeah. race who tells minority stories really well. Yeah. And yeah. In a time when we're having movies like Waves and Watchmen and stuff like that, stuff that is coming across as a little bit more problematic because mm-hmm. of who the showrunners or the creators yeah. of those processes are. Yeah. So Sean is really good at that. Yeah. It's it's also and it's an interesting because you bring up, you know, the Savdies as well. Like Savdies it's like what's it called? I remember watching Good Time and Good Time it's like, you know, they they use the mass of black people and I'm like, you know, I think that there's 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 something at play here with race relations as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's easy it's really interesting that prominent area of New York and New Jersey that's bringing up this new kind of new wave of, of filmmakers and Sean's one of them and I gotta say when we when well, once we get to talk about this movie man I, I gotta say this movie it feels 
If you, if I didn't know it was Sean Baker, I could have, I could have sworn this was made by a, a, a black trans woman. Yeah, me, me too. Like, because this felt so authentic, yeah. down to the T, dude. I mean, I mean, the the language, the little, the little dialogue pieces. I mean, I mean, I think the biggest thing that people take away from that movie is that it was shot on an iPhone, and I oh, assume yeah. we're gonna get that. In oh yeah, we're getting there. We're getting but there. But the feeling of that movie, like the way they move through, like that movie, as much as Uncut Gems is New York to the core, this movie it's, is hot Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Like it is grimy, it is dirty, it yeah. is South, it is it is West Coast yeah. as hell. Only thing I gotta bring up, man, I gotta bring this up because it's it's the biggest meme ever, dude. Yeah. That color, that color palette was exactly the Mexico in the 90s movie yes. palette. Yes. Jesus Christ. Like, I was like, who the fuck colored this? Michael Bay? Cause <laughs> oh, I'm like, glad I know that we can cuss. Yeah, yeah, oh. of course. Yeah, go ahead and cuss all you want, fuck man. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I, I like having... Look, with passion comes a lot of, what's it called, words coming Profanity. out. And it. I'm sorry, if you're here and you don't <laughs> like the cursing that much, we're nah. passionate individuals, it, yeah. and, and with passion it comes... Times when words will slip out like that. Yeah. Also, we're talking very mature films. I don't expect children to be listening to these shows. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if we're yeah. gonna get into detail about a lot of the things that happen in Tangerine, I mean, yeah. Tangerine is yeah. like it gets into some heavy shit. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, but that's like like there are there are these small conversations mm-hmm. that happen in 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 surrounding the scenery mm-hmm. of the movie that just like that catch you off guard. You're like. I know that, like, like mm-hmm. by 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 proxy, and I understand that, like, I am not, I'm I'm a queer person, but I am not a trans person. Mm-hmm. I understand that full, full-heartedly, but like that is a lot of that community that I interact with in mm. in, in the LGBT community. It is a lot of that, a lot of that sass, a lot of that yeah. li- little jabs, but still trying to find humor in, mm-hmm. in even some of the worst situations you could possibly yeah. find yourself in. Mm-hmm. And like even the characters that aren't trans in the movie are so like emblematic, the the prostitutes, the, the pimps in the yeah. story. I mean, that movie is lived in. It is so authentic and yeah. real. I, yeah. Yeah, I think I think feel wise, I don't think I have seen a movie like this is uh, especially prominent for me. I thought when I made my top of the decade list, mm-hmm. uh, I mostly thought of like what were some of the most impactful movies, n- not just for me but like mm-hmm. culturally. I think, and I don't think Tangerine should ever be left off a list of like one of the most culturally impactful films of the last decade. Well, now that I finally watched it, I could I, I could. Hundred uh, percent agree with you. So I wanted to ask, uh, what was your first experience watching uh, Tangerine? So why why did you choose this film? So okay, so uh, it's interesting. Uh, Twenty fifteen rolls around, and I am I am kind of just starting my university career, just starting doing a lot of that stuff, mm-hmm. just starting to get out of a really bad place in my life. It's really weird that I'm mentioning a lot of this, but it is kind of important. Yeah. I I got into I got into uh, for a while there I got into this I this I didn't know at the time it was called DIY filmmaking mm-hmm. but I had found a bunch of Safdie brothers short films and mm-hmm. movies on YouTube and stuff like that 
and watched them and was really fascinated by them mm -hmm. and fascinated by the, a lot of the gimmicks that they were doing. They were filming on like old Super 8. Oh, yeah. And like they were they were cutting film yeah. like by themselves. The way they were writing scripts, they would mm -hmm. improvise. Like Benny would mm -hmm. leave parts of the script empty so he'd have his cast like improvise. Yeah. They would hire like their friends who were improv actors to mm -hmm. come in. And I was so fascinated by this idea. And that, that was early on, like 2013. I was graduating high school and discovering a lot of this stuff. But then I heard that Steven Soderbergh, this is really funny. I heard that Steven Soderbergh had made a horror movie filmed entirely on an iPhone. Oh, yeah. Unseen. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's... Or he, he was making it at the time or something. I don't yeah. think it came out the same time as Tangerine did. But that he was nice. going to make a movie like this. Mm -hmm. and, so, and so around 2015, 2016... I discuss, I I got into this idea of like why are you making a movie on an iPhone like what is this yeah. and then I find Sean Baker I found this movie it was running in limited in limited release in the theaters around my town I had to go to the like to River Oaks to watch it for the first time or yeah. it was Regal I can't remember but yeah but it was it was sitting in that theater mm -hmm. uh I mean it was somewhat uncomfortable because of a lot of the things that happened in that movie. Oh, yeah. But I was blown away. I, I thought the way you edit a movie like that, you're mm -hmm. making Crank. Like, Crank is a silly and ridiculous, like, zoom in, zoom out, jump cut yeah. type of edited movie that I was like, oh, you make action movies like that to make fun of, like, the Born Identity or something like that. <laughs> yes. But to watch someone use that to tell like a, such an effective story, I did not feel the time go mm -hmm. by. By the time you get to the donut shop, which we'll probably talk about uh, later. Yeah, later. But After but, the commercial break. Yeah, but by mm -hmm. the time you get into the donut shop, I am like, fuck, this is the final act of the movie. Mm -hmm. How did we get here so fast? Yeah, I only, I only checked the time twice. Yeah. Be, uh, I think it was like, uh, during like the first act because I had to go and uh, use a restroom. I was like, okay, cool. And then towards the end, because I had to check because I had to, what's it called, record my podcast. Yeah. But I was like, wow, this went by like that. Yeah. I did not think that we'd be at the third act by now. Yeah. So it was, it's incredible. So thank, thank you for sharing that story about what yeah. the first time you, you saw this film. This is the first time I've ever seen this movie. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I like that when the, when the, when the, when the guests bring movies I've never seen. So awesome. Rachel Cho's interview with the vampire. Uh -huh. We'll go ahead and talk about that uh -huh. off air about how I felt about that. Or you can listen to the episode when it comes out. Uh, last, a couple of uh, past guests, uh, Claire Rodriguez, uh, she chose Summer Wars from Mamoru mm -hmm. Kusada. I really liked that film. This one was different though. This one was the that that stuff that inspires me. Yeah. This is the movie that if you would have shown Raul in 2015, he would he uh well in 2016 when he was thinking about buying his camera, he would have said, Oh fuck buy my camera. Yeah. I'm keeping my iPhone. I'm, I'm about to make another I'm about to make my movie on my iPhone. So as, as somebody who was who was making YouTube videos on his iPhone yeah. for, for so long until before he got a Canon point and shoot and before he moved on to a DSLR, this if you would have shown me this movie back then, yeah, I would have been like, oh yeah, and, and I've always been the very person I was always like, gear doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. Story matters. Story is king. Yeah. If you can, if you have a really good story, it doesn't matter what you're fucking shooting on. 
So when I so if you would have shown me this movie back then, dude, I would have been like, oh, yo, I want to make a fucking movie right now. I want to yeah. make a movie right now. I want to go out on the street. I want to take my iPhone. I want to get that fucking app that costs eight dollars. I want to get a fucking lens adapter. I want to fucking shoot. I know. I know. It's it's insane. Like like going. I I think there are parts of that movie where you forget it was filmed on an iPhone. You're you're watching like there's a couple of scenes where like characters are sitting like they're setting up mise en scene mm-hmm. and there are characters that are just you're like oh that's the autofocus from the iPhone yeah like like that that's the manual focus yeah. and, and I kept looking into the windows I said so, there's yeah. no way that the the cameraman's not gonna come out in there yeah the camera op. never it happens yeah. it, even even at the moment when you think it's about to happen they cut yeah and you're like. Holy shit, man! There's, they really made precision in this film, just like if they'd be shooting on a fucking red. Yeah, there are there are really odd scenes in this movie where you go like, if it was shot any other way, mm-hmm. this scene would come across like like a Hallmark movie. Yeah, but they cut it in such a way. There's the scene where the two main characters are talking to the two gay men who walk up mm-hmm. to them when they're when she's like telling her telling them how mad she is about discovering that her boyfriend is cheating on yeah. her, and that like. The two gay actors that they got, which which are like super on point, yeah. But like their dialogue isn't. They're like just like having like a very very queer conversation, yeah. a conversation I have had a hundred times, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but like those jump cuts yeah. that they do, and you're like, oh, there are like two camera operators at least that are yeah. jump cutting yeah. in between, and you're like, oh, this lady is insane. Like this this. It's like she is going like yep. uh, uh, Cindy, yeah, Cindy, Cindy, yeah, yeah. Cindy is about to go kill a motherfucker. Yeah, right yeah. Now. And you're like, but like you listen to the dialogue. Like I've watched yeah. this movie like about four times. This time I was really paying attention to the dialogue. You listen to the dialogue and it's really innocuous. Mm-hmm. Like it's a lot of like, oh, why are you doing this? Why are you being crazy? Don't go off the handle, but go get your man. Go get yeah, your yeah, man. Yeah. Like that type <laughs> of like. And but the jump cuts are making you feel like. She's about to blow a gasket. Yeah. And she's about to go murder somebody. And it even gets crazier when she finally gets a chick. Yeah. And she's just dragging her ass all the way through Los Angeles. That just blew my mind. And I was just like, yo, this girl ain't fucking fucking letting go of this chick, of, dude. You have to think, did they put the iPhone on a trolley? Like, yeah. how did they get it to move so soon? They had a steady cam. That is insane. They had a steady cam. So and I guess we just can finally go into how it was shot. So this film is shot on three five iPhone five S's, mm-hmm. some uh, lens lens adapters to uh, to what's it called widen the widen the lens to make it actually look like a widescreen film, yeah. with a eight dollar filmmaking app that allowed them to adjust aperture, shutter speed, ISO, and with a steady cam for those shots that they're what's it called uh, that they're walking through the streets and stuff. Yeah. Holy shit! It I ended know. up costing at least. Less than a hundred thousand dollars to make this film, and because of the the space, the time that they saved with the camera, mm-hmm. they were able to get locations, pay actors, get more actors, and stuff like that. So, dude, this it's is that I'm telling you is that one hundred percent that the, the whole guerrilla filmmaking, the running gun. It's like fuck, I've got a phone next to me. Who cares if I don't have Doesn't a red? Doesn't tangerine give you a vibe of? Uh, 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 what's the name of the Johnny Depp movie? Uh, Lost in the Las Vegas one. No, I don't. I don't know that one. Uh, it's about the journalist. Uh, Days something in Las Vegas. It is. It is based on a book by this guerrilla journalist, mm-hmm. 
And the entire movie is like an MDMA trip. And it's just yeah. straight up guerrilla filmmaking. Mm-hmm. They are there are no steady cams. There are nothing. They are yeah. just handhold cameras, and they're filming. Yeah. That movie reminds me of that. It remind like that's an yeah. Oliver Stone movie. Yeah, like Natural Born Killers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like it reminds me of that era of those yeah. films. But this movie isn't crazy for the sense of being crazy. Yeah, every shot, every edit, every camera angle, like. The iPhone that they used was because they needed to film something that like what mm-hmm. like that was budgetable. Like that was yeah. under budget. Like they weren't trying to use it. It wasn't Steven Soderbergh going like, I'm gonna film a horror movie in an iPhone. Yeah. Right? It, that 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 type of artistic energy only comes out of necessity. Oh yeah. When and, your backs are against the wall. Yeah. And you're like, all I've got is this fucking phone. I can't afford anything else. Fuck it. Yeah. We're going for it. You see that every actor in that movie is trying to na- to make a name for themselves. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. every actor and actress in that film is going... Yeah. They're not going too ham, but they know their characters so well. Yeah. I mean, Alexandria is probably one of the most salient and, yeah. like... Alexandria's my favorite performance in this film. Yeah. Oh, my God. She, Talk about heartbreak. Like, it's heartbreaking seeing the stuff that she's going through. Yeah. And, uh... And, and like wait, what you're saying, it's like, because when I watch this film, I see it as like, this could either be the greatest fucking success ever, or this could be the biggest mistake of a career. Yeah. And all those actresses, they're doing their damn hardest job to make sure that they give the best performance they can, because they don't know if this is the last time they can act in a film. Yeah. Yeah. You mm-hmm. don't get that many opportunities. You don't get to have your film be run and led by mm-hmm. two strong trans women yeah. like that. Yeah. Two that are very clearly about it, totally oh, yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, th- those opportunities don't exist mm-hmm. that much. And yeah. they deserve so many more roles. Oh, yeah. And they don't deserve to be typecast as, like, tra- they need to be, like, I want, when Knives Out 2 comes out, I want one of them to be in that movie. Like, Dude, that's the be, type of stuff I want. That'd be so fucking badass. I know, right? Yeah. Because, like, it, each of them was just, like, so so into their characters. Absolutely so just digging deep into it. And, like, yeah. they're never offbeat. They're never offbeat. They're just constantly on fire the whole time. And you're just waiting for, like, okay, what's Cindy about to do next? That's what that's crazy that's shit is Cindy about to do next? Yeah. And then it's completely juxtaposed when you see Alexandra at the, at the bar, like, almost alone at the bar. And it's like, yeah. you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, there's this other part of this woman that I don't know. I know. There's this is there's That's this it. heartbreaking part about about being a trans woman, and here's this other part that people always kind of typecast into the the community itself, being the very hot headed, yeah. very exotic looking name and stuff yeah. like all that. It's it's, yeah. it's 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 wild, man. It's fucking yeah. Voice. Actually, that's a great point you bring up. I mean, the movie is genuinely two halves, like two stories being told. Like the, you mm-hmm. have all the scenes with Cindy where she is. Like yeah. there, there's one quiet, almost one singular quiet. The quiet moments with Cindy is when mm-hmm. pretty much she's doing meth. Yeah, or she's on meth. That's the only quiet times mm-hmm. we get with Cindy. But even one moment where she is not frantically, she's sitting on a bus bench, mm-hmm. and the camera cuts back and forth in front of her and behind her, in front of her and behind her, mm-hmm. and you're going like, that. This must be what's inside of her head right now. Oh yeah. Like like yeah. when she says fuck it and the yeah. music blares. Mm-hmm. Because remember, what did she say? I've got two dollars in my bank. I got two dollars left. Yeah. I just got out of jail, yeah. and I find out that my man was fucking cheating. 
Yeah. And then you to find out that that's your fiance, her fiance. Yeah. You're like, of course her head's gonna be like this. Exactly. Of course. She's yeah. fucking pissed. Yeah, exactly. And like, and then you, every scene with Alexandria is Alexandria walking around town quietly. The camera is is either in a medium shot yeah. or even a long shot yeah. sometime. And it just follows her while she's on the side of the screen. And you're just getting to see Los Angeles yeah. very slowly. Yeah. Like the only other third story in this is the Armenian taxi driver, yeah. right? Yeah. And his story is entirely confined in that taxi cab. Yeah. He is stuck in his little world yeah. where everything he does is yeah. just that. Ooh, that mom was pissing me off. Oh, I know. Was, oh, my I God, know. That mom was pissing me. But oh, there is a. We're, we're, we should save talking about the oh, donut yeah. shop because the donut yeah. shop, I think, is like that's that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leading up into that is phenomenal. Yeah. But yeah, but like there is, you have these three triangular characters that are all dealing with exceptional mm-hmm. different things. Also, the fact again that the Duplass Safties and 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 uh, Sean Baker get mm-hmm. to capture the the form the 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 other minorities basically mm-hmm. minorities like myself Arab Armenian mm-hmm. uh, Indian Pakistani those yeah. in in their films is good. is so mm-hmm. like it it's just like that Armenian dude is a Los Angeles Armenian dude. Like yeah. trying to figure out his shit. Yeah. Like it's not a caricature. They're not playing off of the character. He doesn't have things dangling from his window like you mm-hmm. watch in like Independence Day or any of those big yeah. blocks or movies where it's like he's wearing the turban or whatever. None mm. of that stuff. None of that stuff is no. happening here. He has a very, very old janky taxi and he sometimes speaks and you don't know he speaks Armenian until halfway through the movie. Oh yeah. It's incredible how they get to capture the authenticity of the area that they come from. Like mm-hmm. New York, everyone, even the minorities are aggressive to each other. Oh, yeah. And that aggression they put through the movies, their movies is incredible. Like Sean, there's a, Sean Baker looks like a pasty, quiet white dude. Yeah. And then you watch this. I mean, The Florida Project is a really sweet and sincere movie. Mm-hmm. But you watch something like Tangerine and you're like, that's New York. Like yeah. there is a spirit of New York well, in this. Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of shows the intersectionality of his of his of his career. It's like you have the wild side of Baker, that very mm-hmm. like running gun, but yeah. then you have the very intimate and sincere part with the Florida Project. Yeah. It, 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 it's it's wild, man. It's wild. Yeah. And I was gonna say, so what's it called? We're we got to take a commercial break in a bit. I re- because we're gonna go ahead and uh, actually get into the more parts of the film, but we also yeah. gotta have time for you all to learn about the other shows on the Nerdcore Podcast Network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that way you guys can go listen to. Them. But yes, I was gonna bring up the dude. It's just it's it's this uh, Alexandria. I think that um, when I put myself in her shoes, and I'm thinking. She lost her support system for 28 days. The yeah. one person she... So when you get those shots of her that are very like medium close, I think it's also asking us to kind of put ourselves in their shoes or kind of sympathize with her and realize like she's super, she was lonely for those 28 yeah. days. She had nobody else. Yeah. She had nobody else to be with. She had nobody to... Because nobody else really sees her that way. Like everybody's kind of blowing her off about a show. Who's the only one who shows up to that show? Cindy. Yeah. Cindy, yeah. And she was without Cindy for 28 days. And, yeah, and for twenty eight days, who only have for for people who only who only have a certain a friend that is that close to them, who loves them that much, twenty eight days could feel like a fucking eternity. It's true. So it's 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 at the same time, not only is Alexandra battling with this with this uh, guilt that she has to hide from Cindy, 
But she's also have to, you know, fight with the idea that, you know, I lost my support system for 28 days and I had nobody else to, to really lean on. And here's the, here that person comes back and I'm, and I'm faced with this trouble of telling her that I just cheated on her fiance, on her with her fiance. Yeah. It's yeah, I mean, you bring up a really good point because there's there's one scene that happens in the middle of the movie that is supposed to be comical. Uh, mm -hmm. Alexandria gets in the car with a with this fucking dude who's asking her to jerk him off. Yeah, and she is like, "No, I don't want to do it because like you're not paying me enough and all that yeah. stuff." And then and then and then he's like, he's like, "It's not working. It's not working. Give me my money back." Mm -hmm. And she's like, "No, I'm keeping this money." And then they get into this prolonged fight where they end up in front of this cop car. And then the gist of this, the gist of this is like it's a really funny bit in which she beat the living shit out of him. Mm -hmm. Like his shirt is ripped, he's screaming at her, <laughs> going, Save me, save me yeah. from from her and whatever. And then the cop comes out and says a really simple, like, she it's a throwaway line for her. She doesn't mm -hmm. even pay attention to them. She's like, Do we wanna go our separate ways or do we wanna call our families for bail? And like Alexandria with no pause, no Sorry. nothing. What family? What family? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. It's like she has nobody. She has yeah. nothing and she needs Cindy with her. Yeah. The only family she's got yeah. is chasing a fucking a chick who just who just cheated on her fiance with her. Mm -hmm. For only for her to know that she's holding back guilt of doing the same, same thing, thing to Cindy. Cindy. Yeah. yeah. It's it's. God, that movie. That movie is so there are so many there are so many moments in that movie where that juxtaposition mm -hmm. comes to stark reality. I mean, you have mm -hmm. this is the last bit, I guess, because yeah, we yeah. probably have to, but there is there is that scene of 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 uh Alexandria singing and the purity of her voice mm -hmm. while literally like Cindy is like is like, I'm going to pay attention with all my power. Yeah. Then as soon as that song is over, she's like, let's go do math. Really yeah. quick. And it doesn't mean that Cindy is a bad person. It just shows that, like, their relationship is so pure for each other. Yeah. But they are literally complete opposite personalities. Yeah. Like, Alexandria is looking for love and support. And, and Cindy, to a certain extent, is looking for the same thing. But Alexandria is looking for it tenderly. Yeah. While Cindy is looking for passion. Yeah. For someone to go to bat for her. Yeah. And it, it also reflects on the part where she where, where she fucks up her wig, right? And she gives her the wig. And you start seeing those shades of, of gray of, of, of Alexandria and, and Cindy, how different people they are. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll be continuing our conversation on Tangerine when we come back after this commercial break. So don't stay strapped, guys. Stay strapped. No, stay... Stay, stay strapped to your seat, my friends. <laughs> bah, 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 bah. Yeah. Bah, 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 bah. But when you come back, we'll be continuing our conversation on Tangerine. Yeah, excited to. Hey, I'm Raul Andrew Mendoza, and this is... Jabril Newton. And we are the hosts of High Flyer Radio. Radio. And finally, pro wrestling has come back to the NerdCore podcast feed in the form of a show hosted by Jabril and I. And we talk about everything and anything in the pro wrestling world on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Nothing's off limits. Whatever you guys want to talk about, it is from AEW to SmackDown to Raw to NXT. Nothing's off the table. We can talk about it. We're going to talk all about it. And if you can get it a day early, you should go to the www.patreon.com slash the nerdcore and pledge to the tiers on there so you can get this show and a lot of shows days early before anybody else gets to hear it. But enough talking about it. We'll go ahead and see you there at the Squared Circle. Oh, yeah. Don't tap out. Tune in. Tune in.
Hey guys, this is Brad, aka Young Yoda. Raul said I had to make an ad, so that's what I'm doing. Um, it's supposed to be for Unstructured, but as you guys know, you can freaking catch me everywhere when it comes to this podcast feed. You can find me on the Nerd Cores, on Gamer Cores, on Nerdy Chicanos sometimes when I get lost. Uh, I mean, but for this particular one, I want you guys to go check out Unstructured. The Raul gave me free reign to do whatever. I want to do. I don't know what he was thinking. So go hear me talk about LeBron James and Taco Tuesday, vaping, uh, so many other freaking weird topics that uh, Chimichangas, that's a good one. Uh, shout out to Deadpool. And yeah, I, I guess this is the end of the ad. So if you guys want to find me, you can find me all over the place on this uh, podcast feed. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. I love you all. And nerd up. Hello, 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 guys and gals, and you're listening to The Ladies of Nerdcore. I am your host, Daniela Nunez, and along with my amazing co-host, Ashley Garcia, we discuss many things like social impact, pop culture, political realms, and any controversy surrounding the nerdverse. Tune in and listen to us bi-weekly on the Nerdcore podcast feed, and we will love to chat and hear your thoughts on our wonderful show. And thank you again for listening to The Ladies of Nerdcore. Hey, everyone. My name is Raul. Dinari Chicano, and I am the host of The Impert Files. The Impert Files is an interview show brought to you every Thursday on the Nerdcore podcast feed. And I interview people such as filmmakers, content creators on YouTube, and podcasters like Colton Geschwander. And if you want to listen to that early, a whole week early, all you got to do is go to the Patreon and pledge to the $1 tier. And if you want to listen to it with the general public, then go to Nerdcore podcast feed on anchor.fm slash the nerdcore. And the case is closed, but it's not classified. See you guys there. All right, you're back. And I hope you enjoyed all those wonderful commercials because all those people did such a great job at making those commercials happen. So we're back and we're talking about Tangerine from filmmaker Sean Baker. And now when we're coming back, I want to actually get into the themes of this uh, film. And really, we, yeah. we, we start to analyze the ending of the movie. Yeah. And really, so let's get into this. AK, I think this movie has a lot of layers about it. Mm-hmm. I think that on one, on, one, uh, on one side, it's talking about friendship. Yeah. Love. Yeah. Passion. Uh, the treatment of sex workers. The treatment of trans people. Yeah. Uh, especially black trans people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a little bit of the prison system as well. And there's just a lot of layers to this. But I think underneath it all, this is a picture about about friendship. Mm-hmm. It's about a picture about what happens when those uh, those lines are crossed. What happens when when those friends aren't in our lives anymore for a bit. And we, we depend on those friends to get through the day. Uh, what do you think? What, what, what do you think are the themes of this film as well? I, I agree. I agree that a lot of the themes of this movie are 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 very emotional, right? Like a lot of the themes you look at this movie is like how can we how can we elicit a very strong response towards something that is looked at as taboo? Mm-hmm. But I think like there's an underlying there's an under that I think that that is the underlying current of this entire movie is mm-hmm. I'm going to tell a story about subject matters and this is going to get a bit risque. Uh, and because that's the thing it's like it's like trans culture has not been accepted in the United States for a very long time, yeah. right? Still isn't. S- still isn't, right? Yeah. Like, we have a party that specifically has been designed 
to take away the right uh, the rights of trans women and and not just in the way that like and that's not to diminish any of the other minorities that get attacked but mm -hmm. like the the I don't know how much you're okay with us talking about politics but if it if it's related to the film it's yeah. something that we have to talk you know film is exactly. since the dawn of cinema has always been political I political. mean you look at Godard's uh, political films at the yeah. time, like there's art has always been a mechanism to show the uh, the ugly parts of society and what what parts don't work. Yeah, exactly. And like you're looking at an administration and and a party, which is the Republican Party, that is actively trying to erase mm -hmm. trans people in this country, like erase their existence. I mean, I mean mm -hmm. the murder rate for trans people has gone up in the last few years. And those murders basically go unchecked, mm -hmm. unmitigated, and, and un, uninvestigated. And so there's this very strong taboo that comes with the trans culture. There's a very strong taboo that comes with sex workers. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of our Democratic candidates right now have passed or allowed the passage of uh, f uh, FIFSA uh, SISTA, which is basically an anti-sex worker law yeah. wrapped around protecting people from... Uh, from um, from sex slavery, basically, from sex mm -hmm. uh, trading and all that stuff, sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. But in reality, it harps down on the workers themselves. It, it mm -hmm. deters people from working mm -hmm. in that particular industry. And then, and then you, have, you have those characters engaging in drug abuse. I mean, mm -hmm. we are a country that has been scarred by the war on drugs, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we, have, we have a film that deals with racial identity. I mean, you have white people in that film saying the N-word. You, mm -hmm. have, you have... Crying to the police that, somebody, that, they, that they're getting beat up for something that they, that they did, did to the other person. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, that, absolutely. You have, you have a film in which, in which a lot of the characters are, are discussing having support systems. I mean, the, a lot of the neighborhoods in Los Angeles and mm -hmm. a lot of the neighborhoods around the United States, a lot of those people don't have stable families. Mm -hmm. They don't have people that take care of them. I mean, this movie touches intersectionally on a very specific idea. And I don't want to use intersectionalism here wrong, but I do want to say that this movie is in itself an exploration of the byproduct of not the society we live in, but the systems of oppression mm -hmm. that we have. Yeah. This movie doesn't criticize the systems of oppression. It just puts yeah. up the results in front of you and says, look at them. If we, mm -hmm. if we respect trans people more, if we respect sex workers more, if we, if we abolish the war on drugs, mm -hmm. if we do all of those things, we wouldn't have these people, we, we wouldn't have people out here, innocent people, genuinely sweet-hearted people who care about their friendships. They might be mean, they might be angry. I mean, there's a lot of scenes in that movie where, because when you're working class, mm -hmm. when, you're, when you're in that lower class mm -hmm. of people, you're always, you're always on your, as, as GR Fact Checker here, which told me that, it, that the movie we were talking about is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, by mm -hmm. the way, the Johnny Depp movie. Mm -hmm. he, 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 he articulates it always so perfectly. He talked about the idea of being on your back foot. Yeah. You're always, always on, your on back. edge. Yes. You're always on edge. Yes. We're, we're, we never know when the moment comes where it, it, it just, everything shifts. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit, I've got a, uh, rent's coming up. Where am I going to get that money from? Or just those moments when you're outside and, I, and I, what's it called? I can't relate to this. But, you know, just probably being an unarmed black man outside in the street, yeah. walking at night, and you're constantly on edge, like, this might be the night where 
I end up in a Facebook video. Exactly. I mean, yeah. there are little things in that movie. Every, every, whether it's whether it's as the movie describes them. I mean, this is qu- a direct quote from the movie uh, mm-hmm. Fish, which is like cisgendered mm-hmm. people. Or you are trans. If you're if you're in in on the street, mm-hmm. there are little things that they do, like put the money on the dashboard, right? Yeah. Like you have, we have to have clear a clear verbal contract mm-hmm. on what we're about to do here, mm-hmm. right? And we so, also have to go to a place where I feel comfortable to perform the act. Because remember, there was like, um, so I'm at, um, I can't remember, Markiv, I think was his name. He's like, am I not here on the streets? Like, oh no, the streets are way too busy right now. Let's go ahead and go to like this this alley. And he was okay with it. He was like, oh yeah, all right, yeah. cool. Yeah, no, I get you, I get you. And mm-hmm. But there was uh, the other one, he was like, oh, I don't want to do it. He, uh, he was telling that the white guy, uh, what's it called? Alexander was telling the white guy, he's like, he goes, r- goes right, right here up to the corner. And he's like, you know, yeah. like, I don't want to do it here. No, fuck it, you're going to do it right here. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so and so it's it's a lot of, it's a lot of like little touches of like, look how much these people have to look out for themselves, how much they have to have systems of protection with themselves, mm-hmm. how like, I mean, well, the, uh, way at the end of the, not the donut scene, but after mm-hmm. the donut scene, you have that scene where like Cindy is exhausted. Everything mm-hmm. has, all her guards are down mm-hmm. and she doesn't check who the car that's picking her up is. Yeah. And then she immediately gets attacked, right? She gets, mm-hmm. she gets, she gets, she gets thrown at her a cup full of piss. Mm-hmm. And oh, so, so that's, who the fuck keeps a cup full of piss on I it? know. That's fucking disgusting. Dude, they're getting into what frat boys do and yeah. like, and like a lot of those fucking, a lot of what bigots get into yeah. is like a lot grosser than what they yeah. consider gross to Yeah, be. like you really think like who sits on their ass and says, you know what I want to do today? I want to fucking piss in a big bag, big big cup that I got from McDonald's. I'm going to put a lot of piss in there. I'm going to go ahead and throw it to this motherfucker out here in the street. Yeah. Who the fuck has that time to just piss into that big ass cup? Come on, man. They're insane. They're insane. Yeah. They, they've got, they've lost their goddamn minds out here and they're yeah. accusing human. And so like you... That moment is like could happen at any time. Oh yeah, and they're ready for it. Like she's yeah. like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's happening. Her guard is all done. Alexandria yeah. immediately grabs her, takes her to the laundromat. Yeah, like like they, you have to always be on guard yeah. about what's about to happen to you. Yeah, what's going to do? The way she was talking to the police officer, she's like stepped back. She's like calm. She's like, I don't do this shit. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. He's he stole my money. Like yeah. Like, just always having to maintain that guard all the time is, like, an exceptionally powerful theme yeah. in this movie. Yeah. And I think I think that's, to me, the underlying message of this movie is, like, look at the byproducts of the things that we have, we have unjustifiably condemned as, like, as, like, heinous. Heinous, or, yeah. Exactly. And so, like... You are you are watching people who are trying to live their lives in the system that they were constructed in, and the beauty of Sean Baker. And I don't actually know what Sean Baker's political uh, leanings are. You would think that it'd be accurate to what the film is projecting about how how he feels. Yeah. Uh, but you never know with people these days. You know. You yeah, like, that's true. They could just be exploiting to make a quick buck. But <laughs> for when when I'm watching this film, I feel like it. I feel like this is how he thinks. This exactly. Is, yeah. Because, like, he didn't only show uh, black trans women. 
He showed yeah. white trans women. He showed Latinas too. Latinas. There was a Latina in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he showed one of the characters that you are considered. You're established at the beginning to be a bad person. Mm-hmm. Like she's the villainess of the movie. You yeah. get to know her throughout the movie and her connection and their connection. Like it's an in any other movie. Mm-hmm. The connection they had over that meth pipe would be yeah. an awe moment because yeah. the meth pipe wouldn't be yeah. involved. And so to like subvert the expectations of the audience to be like mm-hmm. these two women and they are both women mm-hmm. who are who are fight who who have been like she dragged her across the street <laughs> have this moment mm-hmm. of solidarity yeah. on this on the, what amounts to basically either a crack pipe or a meth pipe. I, yeah. I don't they never actually tell us what's in it. I think it was crack, man, cuz that, that that looked like it was crack. Yeah. But I mean then you're, again, the you're film. Right. She pulled the white yeah. bag. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I you're think right. it was cracked. I think you're, you're right. I think it was cracked. And so, like, and so, like, the, those subversions. The other prostitute is white. She's mm-hmm. a white lower class person who, by the end of the movie, gets kicked out of the only home she has because yeah. they just replaced her. Yeah. And it discusses like some of the systems we exist in, even of the lowest rung, where like mm-hmm. it's supposed to be this community of dejected people. Yeah. We still at that level, like yeah. not only treat each other badly, but like think of like because we're ingrained with this internalized idea that we need to see other people as lesser when we're already in a community full of people who are viewed as less. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And it's it's really interesting you bring that up, and you also because even though this girl has done one of the worst acts that she can believe, right? Yeah. Cindy still takes her to the restroom, fixes her makeup for her, yeah. and it's like. You know what? Am I really mad at you? Or am I mad at the motherfucker who fucked you? Ten yeah. fucking times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so so when he goes to the donut, he's like, yeah, I think like ten times. Like, you know, I got to try out my merchandise. You got to try it out ten fucking times? Yeah. Ten exactly. fucking times? <laughs> what, did it fail the first five and you said, oh, you know what? I got to try it out the other five. five. Yeah. Come on, man. Testing your product. Testing your product. Fucking ten weird. times? Yeah, and it's like, and it's like you meet Chester, mm-hmm. and you're like, you've been presented with this idea oh, of what you're imagining yeah. throughout the movie who the fuck Chester is. Yeah. What does Chester look like? And we've all seen a Chester before. Oh my god! Especially if in Chester Florida. is not the realest <laughs> fucking human I've ever. Like I, I had people who called me their friend that were Chesters. Yep. Right, like meaningless tattoos on their bodies bandanas that they don't understand where they yeah. got from like just spitting out the n-word exactly when they're a white person, yeah right? uh, like, adopting the black accent exactly you know? yeah uh, and also like what's it called uh what's the what the, what's the, what the one that he he goes uh there is one line that does make me laugh when he says oh oh when uh when when what's it called when the mom is leaving and yeah. he's like hey yo call me though because your bitch is fine i'm like oh, i'm fucking God. laughing because i'm like I, there, I know a lot of dudes who would probably say this shit, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. Chester is one of the realest, like, depictions of dudes I've probably seen. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people would probably think it's a joke. But, like, dude, riffraff no. exists. Like, Riff stuff like Yes. Riffraff like, is this. Um, fuck, Miley Cyrus for a bit was that. Yeah. Exactly. So, it's like, it's, like, it's not a bit for a lot of these people, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, and you're like, of course, this derpy fucking idiot motherfucker <laughs> runs a successful racketeering a prostitution yeah, business in the course. city of Los Angeles. Of course he would. Yeah. Of course. Because he's a piece of shit, right? Yeah. Like, it's incredible. 
incredible. The, the little things that this movie does. For 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 Baker to abandon a lot of his pride and a lot mm -hmm. of the things that he probably grew up with, a lot of the indoctrination he grew up with, and I mean indoctrination as in like, hey, there's a blue island, and pink eye, like the 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 stuff we've now grown up to learn about what it means to be male versus what it yeah. means to be a female, yeah. right? And so like, and for him to break away away from all those prejudices and allow his characters to speak mm -hmm. for themselves is my. I wouldn't be surprised if we looked at that script, which, mm -hmm. which goddamn it deserved uh, a best original script uh, yeah. nomination. But like, if we look at that script, I think a lot of it would be like improvised. Oh yeah. And I think if we looked at a majority of that cast, because I've not looked at that cast in a long time, I think you would find a lot of them do trans and drag shows to a certain extent, yeah. right? I believe he did cast from a drag show. If I was reading correctly, and I can, I can yeah. go ahead and look right now, but I'm yeah. pretty sure he did cast, uh, what's it called, people from shows. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised because those, those, those like, those, uh, they know how to perform, and they know how to improv really well and, like, create, like, scenes that are, that are so fucking just out of this world absurd and and so i genuinely think that like if we looked at that script we would find a lot of improvisation and a lot of parts where he's allowed his characters to speak for themselves yeah. and like have very real conversations with themselves yeah so it says here baker and burgotch met transgender actresses maya taylor and Kitana Kiki Rodriguez, who had no major acting experience at a Los Angeles LGBT center in 2013. Yeah. So so he really did go the most authentic round and goes yeah. like, I'm not about to get fucking Scarlett Johansson to fucking yeah. play yeah, a, exactly. a fucking trans woman. I'm going to go straight hey, you don't know. into the fucking belly Raul, of the beast. You don't know. Scarlett might have been one of the trees, the palm trees in Los Angeles. You really don't know. You Where, never know. Uh, yeah. You never know. She's a really good. Uh, bl she really blends into she, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, she's a method actor. But yeah, she she went. He went straight into mm -hmm. the belly of the beast. Yeah, and casted within the community. Yeah, and 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 to me, I it reflects, and I think that's why I say that this film is as authentic as it can get, especially yeah. for somebody who doesn't know the, the 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 community all that well. Even though I have trans friends, yeah, haven't caught uh, what's it called? Uh, haven't caught up with a lot of them in a long time. But I'm telling you, I'm, I, this feels really, really authentic. And for some reason, I feel like this movie could have been set in Florida as well. Yeah. Could have been set in New York. And you yeah. still have kind of it the It could same have been set in Dallas. Set Dallas, yeah. 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 For, for some reason, when I, saw, when, I saw, when I saw Chester, I was like, why does this guy look like he's from, from fucking Florida? Yeah, facts. Yeah, he yeah, looks like he's from Jacksonville. Jacksonville or yeah. Tallahassee. I, see, I was like, yeah. what the fuck, man? This guy looks yeah. like he's from yeah. So it's just it's it's incredible what he how he, how yeah. Baker approaches this and really those those uh, those uh, those those little subtle things that he's really putting in there they I don't feel so subtle. I know you didn't like the the mother-in-law, but did you like the la the line she said in the taxi where she was like, "Los Angeles is a city wrapped in lies." Yeah, I think yeah. she delivered it really yeah. well. She 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 pissed me off, you know, because. She's like the basic, um, what's it called, a uh, film mother-in-law, yeah. nosy, getting into everybody's business. But there's an aspect of this movie that I wanted to bring up that I uh -huh. think that uh, what's it called you haven't brought up. Mm -hmm. I think there's also this theme about us having to lie about our identity. Yes. That taxi cab driver, he he's gay. Yeah. He's gay, but yeah. he has to hide it. 
yeah. from his family. And his wife even, knows. Even though his wife knows, and she's okay with it. It's like, yeah. you bring the money, you're taking care of us. Who the fuck cares? Like, yeah. I'd rather, I rather stay alive. And I think that also kind of shows a little bit about the, the social, how social classes work. And you're like, for a woman to be like, yeah, it's fine. Go out there and cheat on me every day. But if you bring food to the table and I'm able to stay alive, that's, that's fine. The, yeah, that's the state we live in. And also, like, right, you bring up such a great point. Like, when you draw the blueprint of what that family is, like yeah. that Armenian family, like close-knit, like that dinner scene, everyone's yeah. sitting together, he's hugging his baby. Of course, like, there's really weird parts where you're like, is the child actor they cast, like, not know to pretend that this guy is his dad? Mm -hmm. Or is he realizing that, like, there are tensions in the family? so he's like yeah. not really cool with his dad but then yeah. like one of my favorite parts is they ca cast an armenian woman yeah. woman who was traditionally attractive oh yeah so like so like it's it's like it's like it's like to just hammer in the point that no matter who the hell you marry yeah if you are who you are you're going to seek it out yeah and so why force someone to like to like go that far and have to like go that expediently. I mean, this is a guy who literally kicked out uh, a, a cis prostitute out of his car. Yeah. To to just find a trans one. Yeah. Right? And reiterated like that corner is not that's, for you. That's not for you. Yeah. That's not for you. That's not what we're, we're, I'm not here to look for like you. Yeah. And also, uh, also gotta say, uh, <laughs> I can't believe that fucker threw up in the fucking taxi. Bro. I know. Ah. I was like, that's so disgusting. Disgusting, man. Know, and then the girl after is like, hey, yo, your taxi rig is like, yeah, kind of not my problem, man. I'm sorry. That's just like. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it also sets up a lot of those things. Like that taxi was designed in such a way that I remember taxis I've been in. Yeah. Where in my head, I've been like, why is it? Why does it look like that? Yeah. Like, why is it busted? Why is it whatever? Yeah. And you're like, and I was like, are the characters in, like, the first time I ever watched this movie, I was like, are the characters in the taxi cab going to come back? Is there, like, mm -hmm. this interwoven story? And it's like, no, it just wants you to show you how hellish being a taxi oh, yeah. driver yeah. is. Like, how working class that job really mm -hmm. is. Where, like, mm -hmm. at one point, you're getting someone who's, like, mourning their dog and you don't know, so you're being accidentally insensitive to them. Mm -hmm. At one point, you're getting, like, an influencer who who's like getting depressed in the car and like almost starts crying. Yeah. And then you get two drunk idiots, like yeah. not even, not even seven o'clock at night. They're already smashed. Yeah. They're already gone. Yeah, it's five o'clock somewhere, but yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, <laughs> and they throw up in your car and the next person right after that blames you for it yeah. instead of the possibly like, what did he go back in the backseat and throw up? And you yeah. never think of those until like, like, literally, yeah. it's like a lot of this stuff is like you don't believe it until you see it. Yeah. And then who's the one who has to deal with it all the time? It's the cab driver. It's the cab driver. The cab yeah. driver. Your, your, your ride could be five minutes and you have to deal with that smell. But he? Yeah. He's going to have to wait until fucking seven o'clock at night when he finally gets off and he can finally go and clean that car. And, and, and it's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. And also, I was going to say, there's also another part where, where he's masking his identity. He's like... He has to adopt the Christmas sorry about that. Yeah, the Christmas holiday. And he's like, we're not even American. Yeah. Because Christ Christmas because we're Armenian. We we don't celebrate Christmas. Yeah. And he's like, why we why do we have to act like we have to adopt these things? And I that was one of the things that's a lot of the this film can't speak to me. There's there's instances where it kind of does speak to me. That's where I was like, it's I'm like, that's speaking to me. 
Yeah. As Latino in this country, I've been forced to adopt a culture I didn't want to adopt. Yeah. And that's why I refuse to call myself Mexican-American. I'm not American. Yeah. I was just born here. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to adopt something that I don't want to adopt. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's why I feel so connected to him when he's in that moment. He's just like, let me go fucking work. Who cares if I'm missing out Christmas? It's not my fucking holiday. Yeah. And, because, I, and I do think. Yeah. I Christmas think, is not even on the 25th, it's on the 6th. <laughs> and I do think that, that like, he is, he is, he is a three-dimensional character in that, like, I guess we should, should we get into it now? About what? The donut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The donut, yeah, the donut yeah. So We're at like, the end, yeah. So, like, the, the donut scene, I, I just want to say that it's, like, you're presented with this character that, to a certain extent, has to deal with his identity, has mm -hmm. to, like, adopt a lot of these things to mask his identity, but also has tendencies towards being a bit uh, pathetic, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like, and, and that donut scene conceptualizes the idea that, like, hey, you're not, like, special. Like, you've been looking for Cindy this entire time, mm -hmm. and, like, like, what you're going through is, like, what pretty much everyone in that... Chester is gay. Like, Chester is yeah. also gay, yeah. right? Like, like, like Cindy and, and Alexandria are trans. Like, everyone yeah. in this room has had to deal with a particular thing in their life, right? Yeah. Like, your wife have had to deal with you, like, knowingly yeah. going out and cheating on her. Everyone yeah. in that room had to deal with something specific. Mm -hmm. And then I love how the movie waited until the end to show me that, like, even the white girl that was sitting in the room mm -hmm. was dealing with some shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. That scene, the way they built up to everything, I mean, I mean, the mystery of who Chester is, we've, mm -hmm. we've spent about 40 minutes of the movie with Cindy and the white girl. Alexandria has been roaming aimlessly, trying to bring people to her show. No one shows up. She's mm -hmm. depressed about it. She's always mm -hmm. in the background, kind of like not, not in the mood for any of this. Yeah. And kind of, once you realize the the twists at the end, you're mm -hmm. like, oh shit, that's why she's been quiet and trying to kind of yeah, run she's been away. Hiding something. She's been trying to hide. She physically has been trying to hide. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 so and then you get. I mean, everything about the possibility of the police showing up, like Los Angeles as it is. Like, they picked a great donut shop because of the windows. Mm -hmm. So you got to see, like, cop cars driving. Yeah. And you're, like, just mentally associating mm -hmm. them with the film. Yeah. When they're just shit that's happening in L.A. Yeah. And, like, there are so many things, like, like the donut shop lady... Mm -hmm. Or, like, or the... Or, yeah, I was also going to bring up the fact that once the, the mother-in-law starts calling... Cindy automatically thinks, oh, she's calling the cops. Yeah, exactly. And and you find out, like, no, she's not calling the cops. She's calling the, the wife. The wife. Yeah. And everybody else, like, once again, we reiterate, we're constantly on edge. Yeah. You're like, oh, I can't go back to jail. You know, I just, I just got out. Yeah. What the I fuck? Mean, you about to send me back? Everyone in that, everyone in that cover is like, it's like, just no police. No. We will deal with this as internally yeah. as possible. Mm -hmm. And, like, that... Not the fact that you're not calling the police. I mean, I we could. There's another conversation we could get into about police behavior in the United States in general, just mm -hmm. outside of whether you're committing yeah. illegal or an illegal act. Yeah. I think that's safe for another film. Because yeah, I, I think this one doesn't really deal with that. No, not at all. But yeah. it deals with the fear of that yeah. existing. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, like of course. if the police show up, not only are we all minorities, disenfranchised minorities. Mm -hmm. Not only are we all of identities that are unacceptable. We are, and also participate in criminal activity mm -hmm. to a certain extent, or things that are quote-unquote considered criminal activity. Mm -hmm. But also, we're being loud in a public place. Like, we are 
in disobedience of like simple shit that happens everywhere. Like in Sugarland, they still round up a bunch of homeless people for loitering laws, yeah. right? So like the simplest thing as a minority gets you hammered down much more. Yeah, that of course, fear yeah. of ever finding the police. And that movie, the one interaction with the police that happens mm -hmm. is like two police officers who are very familiar with the, with the neighborhood and everything, mm -hmm. but they are completely, I mean, they're ineffectionate. They do not give a fuck about who started the fight, who is asking who and for like, who. It's Christmas. I don't give a shit about I'll what's arrest going on. both of you. I don't care. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. So let's just go on with our day and just yeah. not have to save me the, basically save me the paperwork. Yeah. You either go to jail or I am I don't care what your problem yeah. is. Those yeah. are the only two options for you in that movie. And it's such little simple scenes and it mm -hmm. all coalesces in the donut shop. Yeah. Also, what a great setup. I mean, I mean, I mean, you go through you go through uh, this African American gentleman who is a part of this community, mm -hmm. has helped with this community, but is like, I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, I don't, I don't tell do him prostitution. I, was, yeah. I don't do drug. I don't sell drugs. I don't do that. I run a legitimate business that's failing. There's a lot of implication in mm -hmm. a lot of those scenes that that dude's business is failing. The, the kitchen line, the food line we mm -hmm. see, like a lot of the locations that Cindy goes to mm -hmm. are like, that's Los Angeles. Yeah, like, that's the, girl who, the girl who's clean, doesn't, yeah. like, doesn't, doesn't do that shit. It's like, I'm clean. She's like, I don't give a fuck if you're clean. I'm just trying yeah. to find this girl. Nah. No one cares. Like, yeah. It's not that no one cares. It's like that like, no, it's we that all we, have problems. We all have problems. Or we've been just, we've been, we've been programmed to not give a shit about each other, even yeah. though we should be the ones keeping track of each other and uplifting each other because yeah. if it isn't our own community, the ones outside of it sure as hell ain't going to give a shit. And you yeah. know, the oppressors don't give a shit. Exactly. But those within our community, we got to give, we got to stand up for each other. We got to help each other. We got to make sure that we support each other's business. Uh, what's it called? Uh, what's it called? The uh, adventures. We got to make sure that we, that we take care of each other. We got to make sure that we get the proper fucking care, man. It's yeah. like, who else is going to take care of us when, when, when the oppressors sure as hell don't give a shit about us. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and that's the beauty of the two leading actresses' performances, is, and I guess uh, we, uh, I'll get to the to the finale of it here. Mm -hmm. That moment we've been talking about throughout this whole show is this that that moment at the end where like Cindy sh shows up for Alexandria earlier in the movie. Cindy Cindy becomes this innocent character that is that is just like oh i am i will murder a motherfucker but i will show out for my friend yeah like she tells chess like as much as cindy's terrifying to a bunch of people in that movie mm -hmm. cindy has like he asks her like and in jail you didn't do anything and she's like nope, nope nothing nothing like that that bitch is loyal yeah like loyal to the fucking bone mm -hmm. and so like and then she realizes her friend betrays her, and Alexandria chases her throughout town. Like mm -hmm. it, that sequence lasts for a minute. Like it doesn't. It's not easy. It's not like it goes mm -hmm. on. And at that moment, you get the merging of their two worlds. Yeah. Like you're getting the cuts to the white girl, but like really, it's like an Alexandria type scene. It's mm -hmm. it's really slow. It's in a medium or white shot, mm -hmm. and it's just following them throughout mm -hmm. the streets. And then you get the piss moment and then the laundromat, right? Yeah. yeah. The laundromat is the confluence of like when they attack us, when they come into our community, into yeah. our neighborhood, 
We'll stand with each other no yeah. matter what our grievances yeah. are. Exactly. And especially us two. Yeah. When you find real friendship in that type of situation, exactly. when you find real compassion, real passion, like the world wants to fucking kill us. Yeah. It wants to tear us apart, especially exactly. when we're yep. that place. And having each other is like, and it's all silent. They mm -hmm. don't speak. She compliments her about her, her wig, which is yeah. like a really like big deal yeah. in the queer community, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, and for Sean to realize that that's all he needed to do. I just need her to hand her wig to her. And that is the moment that like mm -hmm. every audience member that is aware will realize that they forgive each other. That yeah. there is no blood lost here. Yeah. Uh, that, that ending scene, that literally last shot where she holds her hand when while she's wearing the wig yeah. is like, I mean, Gio wasn't paying attention, but like I literally almost teared up in the library. Yeah. While I was watching that scene. Oh, my yeah. heart was so warm doing that. I was like, yeah, like like you said, no matter how much they want us dead, no matter no matter how many job opportunities they take away from us, no matter how many single times the world has been against us, we've got our backs. I mean, yeah, and that's that's what we need to do. We yeah. need to have each other's backs. We have to have each other's just in general. People from disenfranchised, marginalized communities just got to have each other's backs. Yep, because because. They're not gonna have it for us. Yeah, that's true. So, so it's, it's 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 a great great last uh, last shot, and it's just it's beautiful. It's, and it's I just, think I think it's a credit to Sean Baker for making actually a happy ending. Yeah, uh, making that that movie is not about normalizing bad behavior mm -hmm. or about like oh look how like edgy all of this is. Yeah, it is about it is about a very a very very true reality, a very stark mm -hmm. reality that we have, and that like. It doesn't have to have a hokey, mm -hmm. good ending. They don't get rich at the end. They don't do any of that stuff. They, they not everyone gets forgiven. Yeah. They, and it's not even a sad like Alfred Hitchcock moment where no. like everyone dies in the end. Yeah. No, it's just this quiet moment. Tomorrow we'll wake up and we'll have another day. I mean, a lot like watching Tangerine. I think mm -hmm. I think I forget sometimes at least. It's all set in one fucking day. Yeah, yeah. That whole movie set yeah. in one day. And it's incredible that, like, that's a day in our life. Yeah. Like, that is, I just came out of jail. I'm just dealing with this. I have a performance here. I'm trying to bring people here. I'm trying to find my boyfriend. This bitch is cheating on me. Like, all yeah. of this shit is happening. And also, like, all of the other stuff that I need to do around it, right? Yep. Make money. Do whatever. Take care of my family. All that stuff. So, like, that movie, for an hour and 27 minutes, for an hour and 25, if you don't include the credits. Yeah. Fucking, what a, made me fall in love with the idea of a 90-minute film. Yep. Lean, direct, to the point. You get to watch it. You get to sit down with it. You get to absorb it all. That film is the reason I love movies. Yep. Television, you have to sit around and like watch every cliffhanger yeah. and get it. And then they might end it with a cliffhanger again because they want a second mm -hmm. season. Like, books last forever. <laughs> A movie, yeah. a movie is a movie. It's a one sitting experience. You get it in one chunk, you absorb it. And the best filmmakers are the ones that get to like distill large universal ideas, large like theories into mm -hmm. very, very human stories, into very emotional stories and present yeah. them to you really fucking well. Yeah. Yep. So we've reached the end, guys. Merry Christmas Eve, bitch. <laughs> yeah, facts. <laughs> yeah. Facts. So. AK, we're oh. here at the end. That was a great one to end yeah. on. But we've got to get 
you in the hot seat back because we got to get you to give us your recommendation. And you also have to claim a film for season two. Call dibs. We've actually been talking about Sean Baker a lot. So yeah. uh, my recommendation will be to try to go back to some sh- old Sean Baker stuff. But if like you're looking at what he can do as a full-fledged director with funding behind mm-hmm. him, Please watch the Florida Project. Yeah. It's such a sweet story, and probably up until the Lighthouse this past year, the Florida Project was my favorite all-time Willem Dafoe performance. Yep, and and he doesn't have that big yeah. of a role in it. Yeah, and and and, but he is incredible, and and such a surprising addition to that movie. Uh, I love everything about that movie. Yeah. And so, yeah. For I me, th- I put uh, Last Temptation of Christ. That's my favorite Dafoe performance. I I love his yes. I just that last moment. You're making a very good argument. Where he's pleading, like yes. I want to be the the Messiah, yeah. or that moment in in the gardens where he's crying. He's like, I don't want to do this. Like, why do I have to be the? I'm, yeah. Part of me wishes that you would claim uh, what's it called? Uh, Temptation, Temptation of Christ. Because I'm, I'm thinking there's, of there's, it. There's there's movies on, and uh, you can you know, there's this is the movie that you call dibs on. But if you're mm-hmm. like, hey, bro, like, I still want to do one more movie before the season ends. Yeah. Can we go? Can do? What am I gonna do? Like, like Drizzy Drake treated. Yeah. What am I gonna do? I mean, Say if no? you want us to come back here and talk about the last Temptation of Christ, I'll come back here and talk about the last Temptation, Temptation of Christ. Temptation of Christ, my friend, as some as. Uh, as I like was also being Latino, I've also had my trouble and I've been like, do I adopt the colonizer's religion or not? Uh, yeah. Last Temptation of Christ was the first time I've ever felt connected to Jesus. That's amazing. And I got to tell you, it, that's a hell of a movie. And at that moment in the in the garden where he's just crying and he's like, I don't want to do this. That was like, I We could do it. Right. If you want, yeah. we could do it. Let's do it. There's specific movies on my head where it's like, I got to find the right people to do this. <laughs> this movie. But if yeah. you want to do Last Temptation of Christ... Okay, yeah, let's man. do it. All right. What is your movie that you're calling dibs on for season two? Uh, I would like to do... Uh, I will mess up his last name as I always do, but Abascar to means... Uh, I forget what year it came yeah. out. I think it's 1991, 1992. Yeah. Uh, it is called The Wind Will Carry Us. Okay. It is based on... It is based on a poem written by an Iranian feminine... Uh, d- dissident, dissident, like, uh, poet. Mm-hmm. And Abbas Kartosumi made sure to create that entire film in the form of, like, poetry. Yeah. It is one of the very few movies that I can give the literal distinction to as poetry in motion. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, a lot of... There's a lot of dialogue in that movie that are straight lines from that poem and are mm-hmm. recited as if they are poems. Mm-hmm. It is a, it's genuinely a poetic film. And yeah. I think it would be an incredible thing. I think I showed most of the club uh, close-up. Uh, mm-hmm. Close Up is a fantastic film, but I think The Wind Will Carry Us is mm-hmm. is it's just it has such a breath to it. It mm-hmm. that that movie doesn't pressure you, it doesn't hold you by your color. It's literally the kind of the opposite of Uncut Gems or Tangerine. <laughs> it's yep. very very malaise. It takes yeah. its time. It's very slow. There's a lot of silence in that movie. There's a lot of there's a lot of just looking at nature because mm-hmm. it's in a Kurdish village. And it discusses a lot of political issues between Iran and and Kurdistan and the Kurdish people. Yeah. It's incredible. It's it's fantastic. The poet the poet who who is this who's, her poem is based on this. It's actually mm-hmm. called "The Wind Will Carry Us." The original poem. She also mm-hmm. made a short film about uh, the another disenfranchised group in the Middle East, which mm-hmm. is uh, people who are inflicted with leprosy. Yeah. Those people are put into enclaves and separate ghettos and, yeah. and places and just basically yeah. locked and forgotten. Yeah. 
Well, I don't want you to go too deep into Sorry. it because yeah. we got to get into it when we yeah. come back for season two. But AK, yeah. it's been awesome, man. I, yeah. I, I really, really enjoy. Before awesome. we go ahead and get out of here, yeah. you are a podcaster. I yes, want you sir. to fucking plug that podcast in so here. Tell us I, where they can find you on the internet. So I used to make a collection of podcasts, but I've I've decided that that was too much. So I wanted to condense them all into a revamp of my political podcast called The Never Good Enough Podcast, a leftist podcast. But over the year, over the years, I've been making that podcast for three years. It's been revamped a couple of times. Now I'm going to do a new revamp. But this time, I want to bring on people as interesting as Raul, as interesting as some of the people that I've met at the university and stuff like that, to just sit down with me and talk about things that they are interested in, about stories, about stuff that they've encountered in their life. I want to hear what people genuinely care about it will still have politics it will still talk about film yeah. it will still talk about video games and stuff like that i mean we have a set of episodes set for talking just about smash bros <laughs> so <laughs> i i that i want it to be a podcast about people coming in and having conversations with each other and telling stories because i find that to be extremely impactful and so it's called the never good enough podcast I think the next episode we're going to put up, which is going to be sometime this week, uh, it'll be the first episode of the revamp. It will still be a political episode. It would just have a very rotating set of guests and stuff like yeah. that that come on it. I do have uh, cast members. You'll, you'll get introduced to them if you listen to the podcast. But we will have new people coming on yeah. very shortly. So yeah. look for it. Go online. Look for it. Follow us. Uh, there will be a Twitter page and an Instagram page yeah. and a Facebook page going up soon. I will post about it. Uh, follow me on all socials at AK Almumen, A K A L M O U M E N. So you could find any new updates that I have. Appreciate your role. Thank you so much for having me. This was fucking yeah, fun as shit. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, thanks, bro. Hey, and if what's it called? For those of you who are listening to this, make sure that you guys also check out the other shows on the Nerdcore Podcast uh, Network. This is his own feed. But we have another feed full of like six shows. You know, if you're a fan of a bunch of friends just sitting back, shooting the shit and just talking shit the whole time, the Nerdcore Live Show is your show for you, guys. <laughs> an hour or th an hour and a half show where literally 30 minutes is only devoted to the actual topic mm -hmm. and the rest is just movie commentary and fart jokes. So that's how it works here, guys. Uh, but there's other, other shows on the feed, but go and check it out. Oh. My, one of my favorites is The Ladies of Nerdcore. You know, a lot of the, the world through the, the woman's eyes, but especially to Latinas. Yeah. And I love that show, and I, and I can't wait for you guys uh, to go and check it out. So go ahead and go check it out, anchor.fm slash the nerdcore. I also want to add that uh, me and another film club member on campus, uh, mm -hmm. Charlie, uh, we started a radio show that goes live mm -hmm. every Tuesday from 12 to 1. It is called In the Cut, where we discuss the Houston film and art scene and we kind of discuss mm. any art stories that, that we find mm. that are interesting and also share places in the mm -hmm. city of Houston where people can interact with mm -hmm. film, the arts, mm -hmm. music, a lot of that yeah. stuff. So Cougradio.com slash live, right? Yes. Yep. Cougradio.com slash live or on the TuneIn app by getting on Coog Radio. So just go ahead and guys going to do that and just go and help out uh, AK over here. He's a great guy and Appreciate I, 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 I want I want him back. Oh, I'm going to get him back. Uh, yeah, and course. I'm looking at you, Gio. You're coming on too. Yeah. So with that being said, guys, also check out the nerdcore.com for all my written reviews. I've got three reviews uh, being written at the moment. I got my Portrait of a Lady on Fire review. My Uncut Gems review and uh, and my uh, my my beautiful piece about why I love 
Cinema Paradiso. That movie is amazing. I love that film. And I'm writing a piece about why I think it's the most timeless film ever. That's a movie that should never be remade. Ever. <laughs> ever. True. And, and uh, you know, there's not much ramblings going on about what, that movie being remade, but I just want to re re reiterate with that piece. Yeah. So with that being said, guys, it's been a really fun time here at the Cinema Condition. I don't know. Oh, next episode will be Akira Kurosawa's Ikiru, and I will be inviting my wonderful co-host, the young Yoda, the bearded old fuck Bradley Simmons. He's coming on, and we're going to talk about Ikiru. Amazing. I fucking love that movie. It's so good. It's Talk so about good. a movie that makes me fucking cry like a bitch, man. Uh. Bad. So with that being said, guys, hope you guys have a wonderful day. You guys come back. Watch a movie. Do whatever you want. Uh, it's, I still don't have an outro for this. but Watch Florida Project and watch Ikaru. Watch Ikaru. Yes, please. Watch all Akira Kurosawa movies. Yeah. I need to get a part on the site where it actually has a link to where you can purchase a lot of these movies. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and You also can find Florida... Uh, you can. F I don't know about Florida Project, but you can definitely find Tangerine on Hulu. Hulu. Yeah, yeah, that's where I watched it. So yeah. see you guys later. And uh, Merry Christmas Eve, bitch. Bye. All right, man. That was